Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. My name is Jenna and I'm here to help you do all the hard things. I'm a licensed professional counselor with nearly 10 years of clinical and research experience working with people who have some of the most debilitating OCD and anxiety in the world. I'm also a mom, a personal trainer, and a lover of modern spirituality. My goal is to bring you all the research, guidance, and encouragement you need to help you remember and know how strong you truly are. Now let's get to it. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of All the Hard Things. I have one of my favorite people here with me, Miss Abby Green. Um, I'm going to let her kind of roll here and introduce herself, but she is a life and business coach. She's a podcaster. Uh, She co-owns the Pursuing Her Purpose, which is a business that's devoted to helping the budding entrepreneur uh, launch into their big ideas. She also co-owns the Herself podcast and community, um, which you might have heard me on a couple Mm -hmm. of months ago, actually a year ago. I can't believe that was that long already, but, um, I really want Abby to, um, you know, just show you her awesome personality, her awesome vibes. Um, so Abby, thank you for being here. We're going to talk about some deep stuff today about rumination. I know this is going to help so many people. So Abby, first of all, thank you so much for being here. Um, introduce yourself, please. And talk to us about like how this nasty rumination has kind of, you know, snuck its way into the corners of, of what all the awesome things are that you have going on. Oh my gosh, Jenna, that was such a good overview. And thank you again. Yes, the talking about rumination, I feel like every time I bring it up, it's like everyone's like, yes, me too. Yes, me too. And you do such a good job on your platforms and with your clients of just making it like easy and relatable and being like, hey, this is something that happens. These are things that can help. So I want to thank you for that, first of all, because it is something that just can overcome women. But I am a mother. I am a podcaster. I am a business owner. I am a wife. um, And I really want to focus on loving all those titles. Like that is one of the big goals in my life is to not hit the pillow at night, so to say, and be like, I wish I would have done more with my titles today. It's like I really want to be able to shine in all of those. And that's one thing that I do on my Instagram platform at Abby Rose Green and definitely on the Herself podcast as well as the Pursuing Her Purpose podcast. But rumination is something that I don't even want to say the word plagues me, but it kind of does. Like it it just has been part of my life for as long as I can remember. And I know also just how heavy it can feel for other people because I'm a business coach and I'm a life coach. And the combination of having therapy, so I see a therapist, I also see my own life coach. So having that combination of therapy and coaching it just comes up so often. And I know that I've been able to work through a few things as it relates to food, for instance. I used to ruminate about food with a binge eating disorder for over two decades and just how much it opened up. So how much it opened up by not having that space filled with sand in my mind. It can honestly feel like sand sometimes just sinking you down. So it's just been so eye-opening for me and I'm excited to continue this conversation with you. Yeah. So many things there. So the word rumination, obviously like with my community, um, you know, I think a lot of people will resonate with that word, but I don't really think, and I've been open about this on other podcast episodes too. I don't really think that there's a functional difference between rumination and worry. 
obviously like they're uh, used differently and, and the people who aren't familiar with rumination might just call it worry, but really it's exactly the same thing. Um, again, functionally, I don't see any huge difference there. Um, so rumination to me, and Abby, I'd love to hear like your description of it. Um, but rumination to me, for those of you who are not totally sure is going to be that repetitive, just like reviewing and overanalyzing of something mm -hmm. that happened or overanalyzing of a thought. Um, Dr. Michael Greenberg, who is a pioneer in the uh, world of rumination as it relates to OCD and anxiety, kind of more generally and more, more broadly describes it as the mental engagement with a thought, which is kind of like, well, shit, like I do that yeah, all the yeah. time, right? Like I'm always <laughs> engaging with my thoughts. What does it mean to not do that? Um, and so, you know, it can be any mental engaging with a thought that can come in lots of forms. I just got off of a meeting where I, you know, I have these doubts or these uncertainties, worries, intrusive whatevers about like, was that stupid? Did you talk too much? Should you have done that? Did you say something offensive? All these questions that I'm sure are super relatable. Um, and if I ruminate about them, if I worry about them, that might look like trying to go back and replay the conversation. Um, trying to reassure myself that that wasn't a big deal, try to envision myself in that other person's shoes about how what I said might have been interpreted. And so it can feel really helpful. Like, mm -hmm. oh yeah, if I just think mm -hmm. about this a little bit more, if I just envision this one more time, like then I'll know. But we never know. And we just end up going down that rabbit hole. We end up feeling less sure. We end up feeling less confident in our memories. Um, and so for me, it's really, and for so many other people, it's like going in the past, like trying to almost like dig up um, old things that have happened, yes, trying to like yes. put it under a microscope and evaluate it and analyze it. So to me, that's rumination. So um, mm -hmm. Abby, how does it show up for you? And what would be your kind of little definition of it? Yeah, and, and it's the repetition, right? Like, and Dr. Greenberg does such a good job of explaining that and his work. So I'm glad that you brought that up right away at the beginning, Jenna, because his work is just is very eye-opening when it comes to this subject. And rumination, just like, it's the repetitive over and over and over. Um, to me, it, it happens, you know, in the middle of the night. So like when you're trying to fix problems at 2 a.m., like nothing good is gonna happen at 2 a.m., people. Like you can, you can say, I'm just gonna think about this for five minutes and then I'm gonna have it all figured out, no you're not gonna figure anything out at 2 a.m. Um, and you're not gonna figure anything out with ruminating. So it can almost feel like, like you are problem solving, like you are getting somewhere. You're like, if I just think about it in this way, or if I put myself in their shoes, or if I look at it from, from this angle, then I'm going to have my answer. Mm -hmm. And as we all know, as a fellow ruminator, you don't get that answer. So I've definitely tried all the things. I've tried like thinking about it so much right now. I've tried the pause method. I've tried like, I'm gonna think about this in the future, but I would love to like have this conversation with you on like, what do we actually do in those situations? Like for instance, one thing that I talk about with my with my coaching clients a lot and with my um, business coaching and life coaching is they'll ruminate about a very specific thing with a specific person. So for instance, a text message from a friend. So Jenna, a, a text message comes in from a friend, you respond to it in a way that you're like, ooh, should I have said that differently? Should I have changed what I said? She's not responding back. Oh wait, it's been a couple hours. Now it's it's the next morning. Oh my goodness. And you're just thinking about it over and over again of is, is she mad at me? Is is it something that I should have said differently? Should I have put more emojis? I mean, your mind can get into these really crazy things. But what, and, then, and what do I do about it? Do I, what text do I do about her? it now? Is she yeah. gonna be more mad if I text her? Is she gonna be like, whoa? And so it's like just the spinning of the wheels. 
It is, it is. And we can think so hard about it. And then all of a sudden, you know, 9am comes and your friend texts you back and was like, Oh my gosh, I had the craziest night. I can't wait to tell you about it. And there you have just wasted 12 hours of your life thinking and ruminating and going over in your mind. So Jenna, in those situations, what do you suggest we do? So it's so heavy, right? Like I think so much of this comes back to education, like that you know, this is the trajectory, right? Like this is the trajectory. It happens usually with something that we value, right? Like we Mm -hmm. value these relationships. We value how we're seen in relationships. I always start by talking to people about how we sit with uncertainties all the time, right? Like literally when I have this in my mind and I think about all the things that I do on a day-to-day basis where I have to sit with that uncertainty and not know 100%, we do it all the time. If we send our kids to school, we are rolling the dice, right? Like there's yeah. some uncertainty there about like whether they're safe and whether they'll come home. Um, every time we get in the car, we sit with that uncertainty about, um, you know, is someone going to be in a drunk driving accident with us mm-hmm. or, or whatever, mm-hmm. but we have to take those risks. Um, and we don't even think about it, right? Because we've just repetitively put ourselves in that situation. We know that that's something that we have to do, but we do, we, we are all capable of sitting with that uncertainty it's where we aren't able to sit with that uncertainty where OCD and anxiety will fester. Right. So Mm -hmm. if it's in your, um, you know, where you stand in relationships or what other people think about you or whatever, that's where it's going to fester. And so, you know, all of these moments, you know, but what about, what if I sent this emoji or what about this or what about that? Or how could I have handled that? What if she's mad at me? Like, these are all questions I try to just envision them all in my own brain as questions. Like what should I have sent more emojis? Question mark. Yes. And as soon as I see that for myself and I'll try to teach my members and my clients to do this too, like you really have to have like a bird's eye view over what it is that you're thinking about, like truly being an observer of your thoughts, which it it sounds like so hard to be able to do that, but it's totally a practice. Um, but truly being able to like have that bird's eye view of like, almost if what I was thinking were like being typed out, being able to like, see that thought as a question, should I have sent more emojis? Is she mad at me? It's been five hours since you responded. What's going on? Done, done, done question mark. And then you have to do, you can't help those questions, right? Like you can't help those questions. Those questions are uncomfortable, but what I always work with people on is your only job is to not answer that question. So what are, what are we not answering? Right. What are we not answering? We're not answering. Is she mad at me? Yeah. Should I have done this instead? Was this taken the wrong way? And as a result, you feel so crappy, right? You feel like a bad friend. You feel like you're in danger. You feel like you're being judged. You feel like maybe even you're being careless. Like I could be solving something right now, but I'm not. And you also have to take those, like, those are the risks that you have to take right? Like the same way that we have to take the risks of like sending our kids to school or getting in the car. Like you also have to take those risks of like, yeah, that someone might've been mad at you. Yep. There might've been a better way to handle that situation. And you hang on tight, you hang on tight and you let it freaking feel bad. And I always encourage people too. this is a trick that I learned from Dr. Reed Wilson. He's like my fave person ever. (laughs) Um, he always talks about how like the content doesn't matter, like whether, and with it, whether it's anxiety or OCD, fear, panic, whatever, tomato, tomato, um, that like you kind of, 
separate it from like the preposition. So like, I'm really anxious that she'll be mad at me. That she'll be mad at me is irrelevant. Okay. I'm really anxious. And if you can hang out there and just live there and act with uncertainty, like continue to go and cook, continue to go and pick Owen up from wherever, Mm -hmm, or continue mm -hmm. to go and do all the things, act with uncertainty. I'm really anxious. Forget the preposition that she might be mad at me. And, and you can sit with, you can sit with anxiety. You can sit with discomfort. We do it all the time. Right. Um, Right. So yeah, there's a lot of little tips and tricks in there. I don't know if anything kind of resonated with it. But it all is so, I'm just going to preface it to say, this is all so much easier said than done, right? It's all so much easier said than done, but that's why we exist. That's why we have coaches mm-hmm. and we have therapists and all the things, um, but it's so much harder than it sounds. But even just taking one of those tips and going with it, you know, like Jenna, if we can just, if we can just remove that second part of the line, mm-hmm. like think about how much, how helpful that would be, like how supportive to our emotional health, to our relationships would that be like sitting with, I am anxious, period. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm anxious and I'm going to still put spaghetti in on the stove. I'm yeah. anxious and I'm still going to pick my kids up from daycare. I am anxious. It gives me chills because yes. as soon as you, I mean, just think of it literally like a preposition, like I'm anxious that she's mad at me. I'm really scared that my son's going to, you know, grow up and be a psychopath. Yes. Mm-hmm, <laughs> I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, um, really, I can't handle uncertainty about my relationship. Just remove every part after the preposition. I'm pretty sure that's the right grammatical term for it. Um, when you have that second half of the preposition, that's when you're investing. That's when you're investing in the content that my son will grow up and be a psychopath, that my son will get hurt, that this person is mad at me. Of course, it's anxiety provoking to think about your son Mm -hmm. getting hurt. Of course, Mm -hmm. it's anxiety provoking to think that somebody is mad at you. But if we can take a step back and realize that this is just the doubt disorder and that our type A personalities, like I know you are also mm-hmm. happy. Yep, yep, yep. Just our brain sending off like irrelevant threat signals that aren't actually there, you know, then we can tolerate that. But then you're going to have that thought of, well, what if it is actually a real threat? We treat that like an obsession too. We treat that like a okay. worry too. And you're going to have, I mean, it's practice, right? Like it's, it's practice and anxiety and rumination are awful. I call them like the cockroaches of compulsions and safety behavior Ooh, because I feel okay. like I feel like you can resist hand washing, you can resist asking for reassurance, you can resist all these things, but like at the end of the day we're left with rumination. And it's like the, the survival yes. of the fittest compulsion. <laughs> well, it's almost like you, you mentioned cockroaches and I'm even bringing in another bug into the picture of a termite yeah. uh, because it like breaks down our foundation. Like it breaks down the foundation of who we are as a human. It breaks down the foundation of our relationships. Like you can think these awful negative things. And at the end of the day, it's just in your head. Yes. Like some of them can be real. Yes, yeah, some of them can be real, but we make up a lot more in our head than what we actually see playing out in the real world. Um, like this this instance, I mean, it's happened to me, it's happened to a lot of my friends. And afterwards you feel so silly, but the same thing happens when that text message comes in yep. and you send one back and then there's that, that blank reply or there's no reply. You're like, oh my gosh, what should I do? What should I do? It's like, okay, sit with this. I am anxious. Mm-hmm. I am anxious. And that is it. Yeah. And when you can really describe that feeling and like sit with that feeling instead of, you know, the second part of it, it's like, no, this is where I am. This is what I know. Mm-hmm. And that second part, I'm going to still go on with my day. Yeah. And, and we are humans, right? Like it's human nature to, when you get invested in a thought, 
that someone is mad at you or that you're going to like have these social repercussions that you like are totally terrified of. Like it's, Mm -hmm. it's human nature to get invested and to get emotional. And what happens when we're invested and emotional, we get super anxious. And then we want to do these compulsions and these safety behaviors. But if we can step back and realize that this is just doubt, this is doubt. This is my brain sending off potentially messed up signals it's, it's good for me to be unsure. It's good for me to be unsure. This is where I need to live right now in order to kind of overcome this in order for this to not bother me next time. I think that's something that always keeps me going too, is like maybe even to a fault. Like I'm always fighting for like next time, Jenna, like Jenna tomorrow Mm -hmm. or like next week, Jenna, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like when I, again, like I just got off of a meeting where I'm like, oh man, like, should I have said that? Like, did I say something offensive? Like, was I too much or whatever? But I don't want to carry that around for the rest of my life. Like, that's not a fun way to live. I don't want to do that anymore. Like, I don't want to be 80 and still thinking those things and worrying about those things. And so I know that in order to help my tomorrow Jenna or next week Jenna or three years from now Jenna, if I want that pattern to change, I need to do something different. Like I can't keep going through the same ruminative process and evaluating my conversations and all that. So I let like how I handle it. I let that go. Like I witnessed the question, like, oh my gosh, did I say something? Was I too much? And I do whatever it takes to not figure out that question. Um, to me, it's like 57 times 18. Like I could figure that out in my head if I really wanted to, but I would have to invest in that, right? Like I would have to shut you out. Mm -hmm. I would have to stop doing what I'm doing. And I would have to invest my mental energy into figuring that out and applying my mental energy, taking it away from you and applying it to this problem. I'm just going to, I can see that 57 times 18 or whatever the heck I said. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I can see that I can witness that number in my head and I'm not going to solve it. Oh my gosh. I love that example because I, I'm not an, I, I love numbers, but that type of math is like, wait, hold on, hold on. I got to take out my calculator to do this one. However, at two in the morning, we're still trying to figure out the exact same 57 times 18, just how it relates to our real world. So if you're looking at that and you're like, okay, I could figure this out. It's going to take me a really, really long time. And I'm going to have to shut the entire world out. That just makes a whole lot of sense, Jenna. That makes a whole lot of sense. But, th- but it feels <clears throat> when we're in those moments, like, let's be real. It feels like we're sacrificing something, right? Like, yeah. So like, imagine Abby, like this all feels good right now. So people who are listening uh to you right now, and it feels good to me right now, because we're like vibing. But when we're in that moment and like, we are actually hit with that worry and that rumination urge, like all of that is probably going to go out the window for a little bit. Why? Why do you think it goes out the window? Because you're not the only one, right? Like everyone listening. Yeah. I mean, I want to figure out the situation. I think in that moment it's different, but what do you usually see, Jenna? I mean, for myself, it, it feels like I'm going to be on, I mean, I guess one of the fears that comes up and one of the like justifications as I call it is like, I'm going to be uncomfortable until I figure it out. Right. Like I'm just going to, I'm going to be uncomfortable until I figure it out. I'm going to be uncomfortable. And there's almost this like false illusion of like, if you just think about it a little bit more, that's what it is. That's what it is. Mm That's exactly what it is. It's like, uh-huh. and this time's gonna be different. I'm, I'm gonna figure it out this time. Mm-hmm. This time's gonna be different. But nope, that that discomfort. Oh man, yeah, yeah. It it stinks. It really really stinks. Um, yeah. I mean, there there's just a pull, and it feels it, it feels re- like irresponsible, right? It feels mm-hmm. for someone 
who's very type A, like you and I mm-hmm, are. Mm-hmm. Uh, we like our chip bags open a specific way. <laughs> we sure do. We have like, we're, whether we're conscious of it, or not, of it or not, we have these like positive attributions of worry that like worry is good. Worry is problem solving. Worry is yes. necessary in order to care. Right. So I don't know if you have any of those, but I definitely grew up with those. Like oh, if for you're sure. not worried enough, then you don't care. Yeah. Right, right, right. Like the people who worry the most are going to be the ones who care. And you brought up that chip bag and it made me giggle a little bit, but I'm also curious, like, let's pull this conversation into how rumination and scorekeeping might go together. Mm -hmm. Because I know with my clients, I know, even though with my husband, Colin, like the chip bag, for instance, every time I see the chip bag that's opened like a freaking monster or an animal got at it, I'm like, what is going on here? Like nicely open it. It takes you an extra six seconds. And then for the entire life of that chip bag, We can enjoy it. And we all know it's not about the chip bag. Like it's about all the other things that happen before the chip bag. But um, one thing that I was talking with one of my clients about a few, just a few weeks ago was this rumination that happens when these fights start to pick up. So it's like you have this argument with your husband and you're like, oh, I wish I would have brought up this. I wish I would have brought up this. I wish I would have brought up this. And the fight is already over. The argument is done, but you're still thinking about the negative things that you wish you would have said to that, to, to your husband, um, to your partner, that you wish you would have brought up. All the things you're like, oh my gosh, I want this changed as well. So I know part of it goes into scorekeeping, which I also have a history with. How would you like coach people through this part of it or with your clients, Jenna, on the scorekeeping and rumination as it relates to those types of relationships? Well, I think so much of what you're saying is super relatable and so many mm-hmm. women are going to just love it. Um, I think so much can be gained from asking ourselves WTF, like what's the function? So in that, in that moment, like when you are, and I do it all the time too, all the time. Um, so like, just as an example, like what's the function of even after an argument is over, um, what's the function of your brain going back and trying to like conjure up all of these additional points. Right. And, and I think we need to have a really like real conversation with ourselves about the justifications that we have for it. Like, I don't know. What would you, and it's hard when you're not anxious about it. It's like, that sucks. I don't want to do that. Like there's no point to it, but I, there's a point to everything that we do. Even if it like outside of that highly anxious situation, it makes no sense. And we hate it. There's a reason why we go there. So if you can put yourself like back in that anxiety, um, inducing situation, like you're revved up with emotion or whatever, you have this argument with your husband, this thing happens, you've cleared it up or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you like think about and, tr- and you're ruminating about all these additional things that you would say, what do you, what does anxious Abby in that moment? Like, what can you imagine are the functions of that behavior? Oh, it's like, I, I want, I want our relationship to be better. I want these things changed. Like, and because the conversation went well, I'm like, oh, if I would have just brought in these seven other things, could those also have gone well? Could those also have changed? Could he no longer open a chip bag like a monster or an animal? Like, should I brought that one in there? Um, So I think that that's like part of the function, if that's what you're speaking about when it comes to functionality. So, I mean, again, it's like this like false illusion of problem solving, right? Like I I, I keep going down there and I keep conjuring up these ideas that I'll like get closer to solving a problem. But in those situations, what I would ask someone is like, are you actually problem solving? Like, and, and that like 20 minute stretch, right. Of yes. like actually identifying those things. Like if after a minute we can catch ourselves and be like, okay, WTF, what's the function? What is my brain trying to do here? Like, I want improved conversations in the future. Like I want this, I want that. Okay. 
X, Y, Z, how do I make that happen? Like, how do I actually make that happen? How do I like, so identifying basically what your brain is trying to do, what's the function, Mm -hmm. what's the problem that it is that you're wanting to solve. Mm -hmm. But then we have to delineate like the difference between problem solving and rumination. Rumination is it's in your head. It's not active. It's just this cyclical repetitive thought process, right? Whereas problem solving is like action oriented. It's not done out of a place of emotion or urgency. It's, you know, very just calm and and rational, right? It's more importantly, it's action oriented. Like, okay. So I don't know if you can even pinpoint now, or if you'd have to think about it, but like, what would be like instead of ruminating and just like thinking of all these things, thinking of all these things, like what would be a way of even problem solving that like more effectively and functionally? I mean, sending him a YouTube video of how to open a chip bag. I mean, I don't know. Like, like, and, and even like, if I can put myself in that position, I'm like, gosh, how do you, how do you help somebody who has done something for so long, do it the right way? And I'm doing quotes right now, the right way, because even when I'm thinking about that, I'm like, people can, people can do their own lives. Like we're all human. I make mistakes. You make mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. Do our mistakes look different than other people's? Also, yes. So that's like what first comes into my mind is another type of problem solving <laughs> that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just like, that doesn't I, guess, help either. Yeah. I guess it's too, like, my question would be like, what do you want out of that situation? Do you want him to I mean, it's just a chip bag, but like, it's, it's so not about the chip bag. Like Mm -hmm, you've mentioned, right. mm -hmm. It's about so many other things, but like, I would challenge someone to consider like, okay, what do I want from this situation? How do I actually like make active steps, like active problem solving to make that happen? Is it a boundary that I have to set? Is it okay? Here's your corner in the cabinet where you can do whatever it is that you want, open it however you want, but this is my corner and you can't like, that's more problem solving. Right. And it might sound ridiculous, but it's also ridiculous to just be like digging up this old dirt in your head. Right. So I guess that would be my suggestion is like trying to identify like, what's the function? What do I want out of the situation? And what do I need to do in order to make that happen? What do I need to do in order to make that happen? Yeah. And coming at it from that non-urgent rational, calm way where it doesn't have to be solved that second. Like, I think that so many of these, it's like, no, this has to be figured out right now. Like it can't wait another 10 seconds has to be figured out right now. And that's where that urgency and that anxiety comes in. But looking at it as a calm, rational approach that's action oriented. I mean, if I were to look at this and like really look at this, it's not the chips that are making me mad. Mm -hmm. It's like me saying something and feeling not heard. Like it's me not feeling hurt in the situation. And then if I take a step back, it's like, what basic needs am I actually not getting where I'm, I'm feeling like other parts of me aren't being met or the Mm -hmm. standards aren't being hit. It's like, do I need to go like ask him to pick up the kids tonight because I'm being overworked with work and then daycare duties, daycare pickup? Is it that I need to go for a walk and just be by myself for a little bit? Do I need to drink more water? Do I need to get more sleep? Mm-hmm. Like those are things that we can actually have control over where figuring out how to how somebody else does something in their life, like we don't have control over that other person. But what you do have control over is yourself and asking yourself those questions of like, what is the unmet need behind mm-hmm. all of this? A hundred percent. And that rumination won't solve any of that. It feels so no. tempting. Mm-hmm. It feels so tempting to, to do that. Um, 
and, and it's fine. Like we, we can let it be tempting. We can let that anxiety be there. Like, oh, you really need to figure this out right now. This is really important. If you don't figure this out, something bad is going to like, let all of that be there, but we have to commit to not going down that rabbit hole, like not answering those questions whatsoever. Um, and yeah, acting with uncertainty, like we've talked about, right? Like, yep, I'm feeling anxious right now. I'm still gonna, I still gotta go to the grocery store. Gotta bring that with me. I'm not trying to figure that out. Um, people always ask me like, well, if I'm not ruminating, what do I do? And it's like, do literally anything else. Like, yes. I don't care if you yes. pick your nose. I don't care if you go watch yep. water boil, <laughs> like don't answer the question as much as you can. Don't answer the question. Um, some, and, and again, like another analogy that Dr. Greenberg came up with that I really, really love is that, um, you can't hold on to a basketball and let go of it at the same time. Like if you want to Mm -hmm. let go (laughs) of these ruminations and you want to let go of this, you're also going to have to let go of solving the problem. Like you're not going to be able to solve the problem and feel better. Like it's, it's not going to work. I think so many times oh people gosh, with that's so good. People with anxiety, like we want this eureka moment. We want like the seas to part. We want this like come to Jesus moment where we have mm-hmm. this like lightning bolt of clarity and we want it now. Like if I just do this and I think about this a little bit longer, I will know that my friend is not mad at me. I will know that my son won't die before I die. That was a one. That was one of mine. Like I just would ruminate forever like the first two years of Eli's life about like, is he going to die before me? Like, is he going to die before me? How is he going to die before me? What would I do with my life? If he does die before me, like, would I hurt myself? Would I be able to like be Mm -hmm. one of those motivational Mm -hmm. speakers who like acts in her son's name? Like, and then I realized like, there's literally nothing that I can do to figure that out. There's literally nothing. There's no statistic. There's no thought. There's no nothing that I will ever get to, to know 100% that my son is going to outlive me. I'm never going to ever know that. And so it's like, wow, like I have literally no choice here. I have no choice other than to let go of this basketball. And it feels scary to let go of that basketball. It feels like I'm not being safe. It feels like I'm not, you know, preparing myself for some devastational news Um, but I, I also, I think we get to the point where we're like, I can't live this way anymore either. Like this is also complete shit. And hearing you go down the rabbit hole, Jenna, of like, okay, so if my son were to die before me, like that's like where it ends. It's like, I'm feeling anxious because my son might die before me. So if we just stopped it, I'm being anxious, but you decided to go on into the, if my son dies before me, then you're like, okay, so am I going to hurt myself? Like, will I no longer, will I no longer be living here? Am I going to be a motivational speaker? Okay. So what am I going to speak about if I'm a motivational speaker? Who's my audience going to be? Am I going to end up on Ted talk? Am I going to be one of those? Yes. Do do I want to, do I want to go down this medium? Do I want to be more on Instagram? Do I want to be on stages? Okay. Do I want to travel with this? And it's like the amount of energy that you're putting into this second part. Would my husband and I still be able to be together? Would I be able to have another child? Am I going to regret not having another child? Like Mm -hmm. none of that was necessary. None of that was helpful. It felt necessary and it felt helpful, but had I been able to like back then realize that literally no thought process would ever get me those answers. And I would have like, I have to live with that uncertainty. You have to live with that uncertainty. Yes. Everyone in the world has to live with that uncertainty. And back to your example about someone being mad at you or like not having your needs met or whatever the worry is. It's like, we all have to live with that uncertainty. We all mm-hmm. have to, it's just that our anxious brains come in and they're like, if you just think about it a little bit more then you'll be safe. 
if you just think about these ridiculous social scenarios a little bit more and the emojis that you should have said, then you'll somehow be the, you'll be safe from ever having to worry about anyone being mad at you again. And that's complete BS. Like Mm -hmm. it's just Mm going to be the next friend. It's just going to be the next social interaction. Like that's, unless we change it now, it's going to be something else. That is so true. Yes. And we don't have control over the future, but we do have control over our actions right now. So taking action with uncertainty, best way to go forward. And kind of to add on to that. So I mentioned right away at the beginning that I used to ruminate about food quite a bit. I would think about what I ate, what I was going to eat, when my next binge was going to be. I thought about like my future of like only eating vegetables and lean meats. And I would like go into like this perfectionist fantasy and I would spend so much time. I mean, there was probably days where I'd spend 70, 80, 90% of my day thinking about food. Like thinking about something that yes, sustains us, but this very specific thing. And I'm not even a cook. Like it wasn't even like recipes. It was just thinking about food and all these pieces of it. And I remember I was in, I I did a lot of therapy with it. I did a lot of coaching with it. And I'm now in recovery. I have been for three years. And in those three years, like I look back, Jenna, at these three years of like taking this sand. And I say sand because that was like the best way of like thinking about it in my mind. It was just taking up space in my mind. And at that point, I realized that I no longer wanted to be in corporate America. I, it made me realize that I wanted to do business with people and for people who are like me. Um, it made it helped me to start the podcast, start a second podcast, grow a business. So I think about the last three years of like what we're able to actually accomplish and succeed with when 70, 80, 90% of that rumination on those things is no longer holding up space in our mind. And it's yeah. truly amazing <laughs> with what we can do when we're not thinking about all of those pieces and the pieces that come from it. And then the more pieces that come from it. Yeah. Well, I, there's a really awesome post. I want to say it's from, it's from OCD doodles, Laura Johnson. She's amazing on Instagram. Um, she made it into a doodle. Um, but it's from, I believe a book that John Hirschfield wrote. It's a, it's called like OCD in the book of, in the shelf of books or something like that. I'm totally butchering it, but I'll make sure that I link it in the show notes for everybody. Um, But the idea is that we all have these books on the shelves, right? And they represent ideas. Um, And we all have access to like the middle of the shelf. We all have access to like what's in the center of the shelves, the everyday thoughts that we have. I need apples from the grocery store. Eli has soccer this weekend, whatever. Like we all have access to those thoughts. But when you have anxiety or OCD, you have access to a wider array on all sides of books. So you have wider array of access to really, really dark thoughts, but you also have a wider array of access to really, really amazing and incredible Mm -hmm, thoughts and mm -hmm. characteristics too. Um, And I really like that process or, or that explanation because I think so many times as anxious individuals and um, people who have like these obsessive compulsive tendencies, including rumination, we tend to focus on the negative and the dark stuff. And this is all the things that I would want to stop thinking about. I want to stop thinking about this. I want to just stop. I want to get rid of these thoughts. I want to get rid of, get rid of, get rid of. And it's like, we also have all this access to like thoughtfulness and Mm -hmm. compassion. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. we tend to be more artistic, more driven, right? Like there are Um, it's not like we just have like this, the key to the kingdom of like all the darkness in the world. We have a key to like a wonderful wide array of create creative characteristics and, um, other really deeply feeling emotions. Um, and I think we forget about that sometimes. And so 
when we are just solely focused, our light is on that dark area of the bookshelf. Like we're forgetting about all the other wonderful things that we have access to. And so that's something that's been really helpful for me is that like, there's nothing wrong with me. Like there's nothing wrong with my brain. It is the way that it is. Like I have access to a lot of dark stuff. I have access to really horrific images and I have the tendency more than the average Jane. I probably always will to want to ruminate and to go down those dark places and to doubt and to give into that. Um, but I also have access to a lot of other things that people probably don't. I, you know, I really love just like my weekends alone with my son, like probably mm -hmm. more mm -hmm. than mm -hmm. a lot of other single parent, you know, single parents on the weekend might, might enjoy. Um, because I also know how dark it was when I wasn't able to tolerate those moments of being with him by myself, you know? So, um, I think back to your point of just like, when you can release some of that sand and like, mm -hmm. you know, everything opens up and like, now you have access to all the creative ideas with your businesses and with your family. And like, you're able to give so much to your kiddos. And, um, it's not that that dark stuff will leave completely, but we also can't like selectively turn it off. Right. We can't selectively turn off. Like, I want to be less anxious. I want to, I want to not be the person right, who cares about right. the chip bags, but you're also probably going to be the mom who has like the most badass lunches for her kids. Right. Like you did that with uh, Lucy, you wrote yep, yep. like, it just, it is what it is. And that doesn't mean that we can't learn from our mistakes or learn or grow from the things that we want to change. But again, like you get really frustrated with the chip bag. And like, we may want to get rid of that tendency or that care, but like, you're also that mom who makes like the best lunches for her kids. <laughs> because there's so much thought that goes into it. Like that's right. the whole, like with all of this, it's like, there's so much thought that goes into the negative, but there's so much thought that can go into writing that sweet note to your kiddo and, right. you know, making sure that like each piece of like, she likes her sandwiches cut a very specific way. And it's like, it's just a peanut butter and jelly, but to her, it's like her whole world when you can yeah. cut it the right way. <laughs> and with all of this and with all of the thought work and with everything that you're saying, Jenna, like what I keep on hearing is we're working with ourself yeah. and not struggling against being human. Yeah. Like we are human beings and we are working with our human capabilities instead of struggling and pushing against it. And it can feel like a struggle at 2 a.m. It for sure feels like a struggle. Like, oh my gosh, why can't I get this right? But if you can sink into it and be like, what can I do? What is actually productive? Because the problem solving real true problem solving that is productive but this rumination that's the basketball that we just need to let go of yeah and I feel like um <clears throat> we also do this like there's a an old analogy I'm like super hardcore in the analogies today but yes uh, I like love the, it <laughs> the second arrow like the I forget what it's called but essentially like yeah it hurts to get hit with an arrow it hurts we don't want to get hit with an arrow that really hurts, but then we tend to exacerbate our pain by making it like, oh my gosh, why did I have to be right there? Why did that have to happen to me? Oh my gosh, I don't want to go out of my house anymore. So I don't get hit by an arrow. And like, that's we're we're hitting ourselves with a second arrow. Like we do that to ourselves all the time. And so we'll ruminate, we'll get stuck. And then we might have those thoughts of like, oh, I just don't want to do this anymore. Like, why am I the way that I am? Like this sucks so bad. And it's like, I get that. And that's so valid, but I hope that people listening can maybe a little bit sooner orient themselves. Like this is the way that my brain is. Yeah. I have access to a lot of dark stuff. I think really deeply 
Not just about the dark stuff, yes. not just about the uncertain and vague social interactions, not just about the awful things that could happen with my son. But I also think really deeply about my kids' lunches. I also think really deeply about how to give back to charity and, and do work for nonprofits. And like, I think it's just the recognizing that like, it's not all dark. Like you also have access to a lot of wonderful things too. Not to say that you can't reduce your rumination and, and wrangle mm -hmm. that and get a mm -hmm. hold of that. Um, but our brains are not our enemies. Like they're not working against us. We have access to a lot of really good processes too, that I think other people who don't think or feel deeply like you and I do, they don't have access to that. Oh, just so beautiful. That's so beautiful. So Jenna, if we were to pull this all together, like I'm a, I'm a person who likes numbers. I cannot do 57 times 18 in my head. However, I do like the, like bring it all together with like three things. So I know like number one, Stop it at I am anxious and not going on to the second piece. What would you okay. say is step two and step three for people that want to kind of kick this habit of rumination or at least a place to start? So I would actually say that my first prop, my first step would be to be super mindful and mindfulness okay. gets a bad rep. Like, oh my gosh, I have to be met. I have to be meditating. I have to be alone. I have to be in my, in my room and all by myself and do this like 15 minute hardcore process of meditation. No, mindfulness is just paying attention on purpose. And so, I mean, a visual that helps me to be more mindful and to just be like super, um, like bird's eye view about my thought process is, um, like I envision it almost like a, a typewriter, like, and I, I don't do it all the time. Obviously mm -hmm. I'm not doing it in this conversation, but I try to do it every once in a while, especially when I'm super anxious or I know I'm going into a situation where I might be anxious and I can literally catch myself having that intrusive thought or that worry or that fear. Mm -hmm. Um, the other night it was at 2 AM. I've been open about my like issues with death. And obviously with Eli, mm -hmm, my mm -hmm. dog is really old. He's going to be like 11. Um, and I had this intrusive thought of like, well, what if he dies tomorrow? And this is your last night to snuggle him. Like you should snuggle him a little mm -hmm. bit tighter tonight. And even at two o'clock in the morning, like totally disoriented and a totally, like, I never had those intrusive thoughts about my dog before. Granted, I have had them about Eli and other people, but never about my dog. I still was able to catch that in the moment. Again, it takes practice. I'm a therapist. I've been doing this since 2008. So lots of practice <laughs> under my belt, but 2 AM completely disoriented, like half asleep. I was still able to witness that as a, as a thought, as an intrusive thought and a what if, and I didn't answer it. I don't know. He, he could, he could, he could die tomorrow. I don't know that. And I'm not going to try to figure it out. And I then Ugh. like, I was consistent in my actions as well. You know, I stayed and I didn't snuggle him. I didn't roll over and mm -hmm. hug him or like check on him or anything. And, and so that would actually be my first, that would actually okay. be my first recommendation. Mindfulness of, Mindfulness. of the situation, like a typewriter. Okay. Paying, yes. Paying attention on purpose mm -hmm. and trying to witness when that question comes up and then doing whatever you can to not answer that question. That would be my number one. Number two would be what you said is to remove the content from it. Like try to uninvest and get very good at not investing in the content because again, it's, we're human. We're going to get invested in, in, if we get invested, we're going to be anxious. So we need to recognize that this is just doubt. This is uncertainty and that we can live with that and that it doesn't actually have anything to do with the content. So I'm feeling really anxious right now. Yep. I just had that intrusive thought. I'm taking a risk here. So on and so forth. And we don't need to add any of the, like after that preposition, we don't need to add any of that. Um, so that would be my second um, piece of advice. And then third, 
is to stay consistent because what's going to happen after you do those first two steps is you're going to have another doubt knocking in your head about like, well, are you sure about that? This is really serious. I mean, he is 11. He could die and you're going to really regret that. Go back to step one. Mm-hmm. You continue to be mindful mm-hmm. about that and you continue to, yep, that's a question. That's, are you sure about that? Like he could really die tomorrow. That's a question. I'm not answering it. I'm treating that like an obsession too. So you, I mean, it's literally one, two, three. And then number three is going to happen. I think so many people give up at step three. They're like, well, shit, that didn't work. This mm-hmm, must not mm-hmm, work. Mm-hmm. And it's like, obviously like if, if it was that effective and it worked like that, I wouldn't have a job. Like we wouldn't need this therapeutic <laughs> process, right? Like you have to stay consistent and you have to continually take those risks and I haven't had that intrusive thought since, but I guarantee you, had I moved over and snuggled with him a little bit harder, had I given into that at any stage of that process, I would still probably be up worried about him. Yes. Yes. It's that step three that solidifies the action and the future going forward. It's that step three with consistency. That's like, you're going to make a habit of this either way. You're going to make the habit of being able to drop that ball or you're gonna make the habit of just this last snuggle. Like this is just the last snuggle nope. really. And tomorrow, so oh, I'm not gonna that. do it. Mm-hmm. So many mm-hmm. people, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna, uh, this, this conversation feels really important. This is with someone, this is with someone that I, I need to be on good graces with. Yes. No, 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 no. We treat, uh, so we have to treat it all. Like we can't, I always say like, you can't put out half a fire. Like you can't just selectively determine like what you're gonna ruminate about and what you're not, what you're gonna sit with and what you're not. Like you have to go all in. You have to truly go all in. Oh my gosh. Jenna, what a this cool conversation. So I love it. I love it. I feel like invigorated going forward. I like like the three-step framework. I like all the analogies. Thank you for being anal- like full of analogies. I'm a person who loves metaphors, loves analogies. So our minds are working together today. This has been so much got fun. It. I got it again. <laughs> like I have access to some dark stuff, but I have also have access to some pretty fine analogies. So oh. I could seriously talk with you all day. I'm so glad this is going to be out there to the world. So, so many people can find it. There were so many things in our little outline that we didn't even mm-hmm. get to. So, mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. That's just how, you know, that things are rolling and it's just amazing. So, um, Abby, again, I could keep you on here all day, but I want to know, um, where people can find you, um, tell them about the awesome work that you're doing and, um, yeah, where can people learn more about your journey? Yeah. So, um, over on Instagram, that's where I hang out mostly. So Abby Rose green, and that will give access to the two businesses that I run. So herself podcast, which Jenna, you have been an awesome guest on the herself podcast. Um, that has been just our heart and soul. So I do that with my, my, one of my best friends in the whole world and co-owner Amy Kiefer. And it's just been a really great way to connect with the community in a way that we know that women and mothers and people who wear multiple titles, they need to be connected with and then pursuing her purpose is for the individuals who have that little voice inside that says that you're made for more. Mm-hmm. Maybe that means entrepreneurship. Maybe that means, you know, building up your business to be even bigger. And we have courses based on either starting a podcast. So we have a podcast course coming out this month in June. And then we also have our purposeful business launch, which literally teaches you A to Z, how to become an entrepreneur using our 12 step framework that we have used to leave leave corporate America and literally get, you know, a full-time job out of our passion and what we love doing. 
That's so awesome. I'm like, I want to, I want all the things I need to have all those things too. Um, well, yeah, I'll make sure to include all of that in the show notes, you guys, so that you can, um, quickly reference those, um, make sure that you give her a follow if you haven't been already, but, uh, Abby, thank you again so much for being here. And I'm sure we will talk uh, again real soon. Thanks, Jenna. This episode is brought to you by Shopify, whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. For more information and resources, head to my website at www.jennaoverbaugh.com. From there, you can sign up for my email newsletter so you can make sure that you are the most up-to-date about upcoming resources, podcast episodes, blogs, challenges, and more. Also, check me out on Instagram at jenna.overbaugh and tune into some other episodes here while you're at it. As always, if you have a free minute, it would mean the world to me if you could please subscribe and rate this podcast. Subscriptions and ratings help me keep the podcast going and help me spread the word to other people who need these resources and they otherwise may not get them. With that said, thank you guys so much for tuning in. I really love creating these episodes for you. And until next time, keep doing all the hard things.